everybody, you're back here on Mining Stock Daily. Uh, we're going to end the day here on Monday with some market commentary. Uh, happy to welcome in the Daily Gold's Jordan Royburn, good friend. Uh, uh, Jordan and I were kind of uh, texting back and forth the later half of last week just about, let's just say, the volatility within not only the precious metals market, but also junior mining. We didn't use the word volatility. It was much more vulgar than that. Uh, but we'll try to keep things PG, maybe PG-13 here, Jordan. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's talk about the precious metals here. You know, gold generally is hanging in there despite the general sell-off and the markets, the unknowns in the uh, in the economy, more talk of recession. Uh, I think other than oil and energy, uh, being flat to marginally up is uh, a pretty positive trend amongst all this uh, volatility in the markets, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I completely agree. If we look at what happens before gold begins, you know, real bull moves, it strengthens in real terms. So if you look at before the 2001 low, it was strengthening against the stock market. If we look at the 2008 low, uh, go back to, I think it was September when gold against the S&P made a huge move higher. There was a positive divergence there before the October bottom. And we're seeing something similar. We're since the beginning of the year, gold has been trending up against the stock market. And it's been... Um, uh, it's, it, it's trending up and it's also above a rising 200 day moving average, that ratio. So that's, a, that's the best leading indicator for gold. If we look at gold against foreign currencies, a week or two ago, it was only 4% off the high. So this is what happens before you get a real bull move in the sector. And I mean, this is the technical side. I know the fundamental side is important, which we'll touch on. But even though we've had a lot of carnage in the stocks and in the, the junior land, which you and I follow. I mean, I'm really, really bullish that we're going to see a big turn uh, sometime in the next couple of months. And uh, uh, that's going to set up, uh, you know, potential for gold to have this massive breakout. Um, so even though sentiment is down in the dumps, uh, juniors have been performing terribly, you know, the stocks are underperforming the metal, silver has been really weak. Um, if you if you look at what's happening, we're getting really, really close to when things are really going to turn big for gold and, and then the miners and juniors as well. So I'm, I'm really optimistic about that. Uh, you know, there's a number of ratios we can look at when it comes to gold. I know I think you and I have talked about that gold to Dow ratio. A lot of people will look at gold to S&P. You can talk about the gold to silver ratio, like a number of indicators out there. Um, is there anything that you see, I mean, let, let's take the other side of this, Jordan, anything that you see that is maybe of concern for precious metals? I really don't. I mean, my only concerns are here, like, let's say in the next month, because you have GDX and GDXJ have broken down. Sentiment is really, really, or not sentiment. Uh, my breadth indicators are really, really oversold. And my breadth indicators are basically when they get this oversold, gold stocks usually rally 30%. Usually they start a rally within, you know, the next week or two or the next couple of days. But I, I am concerned about, let's call it the next month, because you do have the miners breaking down. So they do have some downside potential. Um, same thing with gold. I mean, gold could, it wouldn't shock me if gold fell to, 
the low 1700s and the in the uh, 40 month moving average, which if you look back over 50 or 60 years, uh, that's really, really significant. So my, my concerns are here in the short term that we could get a real washout type of decline. But as far as the larger macro, I'm really not that concerned. Um, you know, I did, you know, in a premium update a week or two ago, I did say my concern was, well, I'll be wrong about this uh, if the Fed can hike rates through the end of the year. Well, a big thing that happened in the last week or seven trading days or so, if you look at Fed funds futures, there was a huge shift in 2023 where the market went from basically expecting uh, close to, I think, two rate hikes to, net, to, uh, to expecting a cut next year. And if you look at uh, meetings, like let's say the December and the February of next year, those meetings have been, a couple weeks ago, you know, they were pricing in uh, rate hikes to some degree, and now they're basically not anymore. So you've seen a, a huge shift in the near future. And I did read from one person that the, I, I, don't, I didn't see it myself, but the Fed funds futures actually were showing a peak Fed funds rate sometime in December. I mean, that's not that far away hmm. from where we are. And if the data continues to get worse, and by the way, a week or two ago, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, you had a potential peak in oil and a peak in bond yields. And so if those things continue to decline and we see economic data continue to decline, um, then the Fed funds futures are going to, they're removing rate hikes, basically. That's going to get priced in for November and then eventually September. And so that's what I'm really looking for in the next, like, let's call it month to see if, um, you know, the market is going to get to a point where there, because I think in the last week or two, uh, if I recall from memory, uh, the hikes in November expectations have come down a little bit. And then when you go to December and the other meetings, the expectations for hikes have come down a lot. And so if that, mm. you know, if that moves forward to where expectations for September start coming down a lot, you know, that's going to get us to the point where people are going to start talking about, well, the Fed's going to pause in September, July is going to be the last hike. And so I think when we get to that next step, that's when we're going to start to see a lot more buying come into gold and gold will eventually rebound. And so, I mean, I've been talking about the Fed's going to shift, they're going to have to cut rates, but even, you know, the stocks are so oversold that even if, um, you know, just even if the market just discounts a pause in September, that's probably going to be enough to see to get a twenty or thirty percent rebound in the stocks when the market sniffs that out because they're so oversold, you know. And then the next step after that is they have to they have to cut rates, and that's when gold is going to break to new all time highs. So I know I you had a different question. I answered that, and then I just kept mm. babbling on. <laughs> but that I I really don't have I really don't my my only concerns are in the next couple weeks that. You know, we're going to see, we could see some more damage before things bottom and turn around. But as far as the macro setup and what's happening, it's rapidly moving in gold's favor. And you know, Trevor, when this happens, you know, when the market senses the Fed's going to shift, they're going to pause in September, like that's going to be the bottom. That's going to be the start of the next bull market. And then, 
so it, it's just, I mean, we remember how these things go. If you look at 2008 or even the summer of 2018, when you get a big low in this sector, it just, it, I mean, it feels awful right before it. Like, this is, I can't invest in this anymore. This is awful. And then suddenly you get a bottom, and a couple weeks later, it's like, well, okay, we're in a new, you know, we must be in a new bull market. And so we're, we're setting up for that to happen in the next month or two, in my opinion. Did you, who's going to sniff this out first? The precious metals, the gold equities, the stocks, or do you think we could see the move in gold itself uh, really start the trend? Uh, the, I would say it's going to be bond yields first and then gold second. And mm. with respect to the stocks, I think um, the you know gold will pull the stocks higher as it always does, but um, for a lot of these stocks, they're really going to need to see gold break out to a new all-time high. I think um, you know the stocks will follow gold, but you're going to need to see gold break above 2000 or 2050 or 2070, wherever the high is. You need to see that for all these junior stocks to really uh, start getting a bid. And same thing with silver. I think silver will lag initially. So I, I would say initially gold is going to move first. And then with gold, you get um, the, the strong junior producers, you know, the strong larger producers and royalty companies, they'll probably get the first bid. I mean, everything will move, but I think it's going to take gold breaking out to a new all-time high. That's when you'll start to see juniors really outperform and, and you know, exploration companies will outperform after that and silver mm -hmm. as well. Uh, as we stick with uh, gold here, uh, there's some interesting news in geopolitics in the G7 uh, regarding Russian gold and trying to uh, uh, kind of remove any sort of new Russian gold off of the markets from these major countries. In fact, this was such important news to Anthony Pompliano, Mr. Uh, Crypto himself. He actually wrote a newsletter uh, entry about it this morning. I've never seen... Uh, Pompey so bullish gold in his Bitcoin letter before, but he thought it was important to write about it. Uh, you know, I'm just curious, Jordan. Here, are you paying any attention to that? Does that have any any significance to you in the gold market? In my opinion, not really. I mean, it may be significant in the very short term. Um, I was thinking about it in my non, you know, my non gold bug reaction. I always try and have a non gold bug reaction, but my reaction was, and I say that just because every, you know, everybody who loves gold and anything that happens is bullish gold, and you have to. <laughs> you mean you 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 mean your normal reaction, yeah. your typical everyday yes. reaction. <laughs> but I thinking about it, I thought you know this this seems like it would be um, it seems like it would be bullish for gold, but um. Honestly, I mean, a lot of this geopolitical stuff is just noise for gold. I mean, what really matters is monetary stuff. I mean, even you know, people talk about supply and demand. That has no impact on on gold and silver prices. Basically, it's all monetary, uh, and and so I, I focus on the monetary situation, real interest rates, and those types of things because that's really what. Um, the big money that really moves these markets with respect to gold and silver, I mean, they're focused on the monetary situation. They're not, you know, just because um, something happens geopolitically, they don't, these people are not just going to put millions and millions, of, oh, okay, this thing, this thing happened, gold's going to go up, I got to, you know, put 100 million into gold now. That just doesn't really happen. Um, it, it's really the monetary 
uh, situation that uh, triggers real lasting moves in gold. So I guess, uh, you know, that, that diatribe aside, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's, I, I think it's noise generally, at least in my work, I'm sure, you know, smart people disagree, but I, I wouldn't pay attention to that as a huge driver of what's coming. All right. Uh, I do want to ask you about the overall pain we've experienced in the junior exploration equities. Uh, it, it's been pretty abysmal, actually really abysmal here, Jordan. Um, you know, let me get your thoughts here. Last week, it seemed like every day I was waking up and I was wondering, oh, what kind of bad news is going to slap me in the face today? And it seemed like I got slapped pretty frequently last week. But you know, because of this, the blood in the streets, specifically in the junior exploration markets, are you looking to deploy? Are you nibbling? Or are you waiting for confirmation? I am waiting to see if... Um, I talked about these breadth indicators. I'm waiting to see if we get more of a sell-off here, if we get a spike in new 52-week lows. That's also something I track, uh, new 52-week lows and new 52-week highs, because that's a great breadth indicator. Um, I did mention that um, we're really oversold, and we're close to a point where we're going to see a 30% rally. However, um, looking at the new 52-week lows in both GDX and GDXJ and the Huey, there is room for a day or two of selling and you get like a real spike where like 40 or 50% of the stocks make a new 52-week low. I think something like that um, could happen. And, um, you know, I'm also looking at support levels. I mean, GDXJ has, looks like it has strong support around 32 for GDX 26. So I'm not saying these stocks are going to absolutely bottom at those levels, but if we see a little in the next couple of weeks, even if it just dribbles lower to those targets, uh, the market is going to be really, really ripe for that 30% rebound starting. I, I, I would just say right now, big picture right now, uh, it's a really, really good buying opportunity, but you might get, you might have to take a few more shots over the next couple of weeks. I could be wrong about that. That's just my guess based on everything I'm looking at. So, I mean, long story short, no, I'm not deploying capital um, yet, uh, but I am waiting. I mean, I, I think in a couple of weeks or a month, where uh, we'll be at the point when you really want to buy aggressively. I mean, I have some cash left, but I've mostly been fully invested, um, which I, I, I did too early. But that, that's how I view the situation with cash. Like we're, you know, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not quite there yet, but we're really, really close. I mean, just a little bit more selling in this sector, a spike in new 52 week lows. And then I think we'll be, days away from you know the start of a 30 percent rebound which based on my indicators getting this oversold that's always what has happened so yeah i mean you it's you know you always want to have you always want to have cash but you know people tend to be heavily invested for the most part um Uh, i i know you i know you write the daily gold and not the daily copper but so i I do want to ask you about copper here jordan because that's been 
kind of a black guy in the entire metals market. Dr. Copper always kind of gives you a little sense of what the general economy is doing or will do. And if that certainly is the case, the general economy is not very healthy looking at the copper chart. Just curious, how are you watching the price of copper, uh, its leading indicator for general economy, and how does that play in to this general macro thesis of yours? I am watching the gold to copper ratio, which a week or two ago it broke out to a 16-month high in favor of gold. And I think, um, you know, because I know a lot of, in our industry, a lot of people are bullish on copper and uranium. I Anything that's not gold and secondly silver right now, I would be worried about. I mean, we're in, we're, if we're not in a recession right now already, we're going into a recession. All these commodities have had huge moves higher. Gold and silver performed the worst over the last year or two. And I mean, and I should have invested in, in the other commodities in the last year or so. Uh, but with that said, I am, I would, I would not want to be in anything except gold right now. And, you know, to a lesser degree, silver, you know, when gold moves and breaks out, silver is going to run too. But um, I, I think people have to distinguish between the various commodities and what market cycle we're in. We're, we're, we're coming out of a cycle that was bullish for base metals and energy and bearish for precious metals. And now we're moving into the, the, the part of the cycle that's really, really bullish for precious metals. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's bearish for commodities. And so I would just be, you know, if I had huge gains in copper or uranium, I would be moving all those, moving all that capital into gold and silver now. Um, so I, th I think we're going to see a bifurcation. When gold starts to perform and silver follows, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that like copper, uranium and lithium and these other uh, metals that have had really good runs. It you know doesn't mean that they're going to join in. Yes, if we're looking at a bird's eye view over five or seven years, yes, they all tend to move together. But here and now, given the particular part of the cycle, I would be worried about um, commodities that are non gold and silver, basically. Jordan, uh, thanks for that. There was a lot to, to take in with that conversation. And uh, hopefully we see a turn here. A sentiment, as I was writing about last week in the MSD Extra, was just falling through the floor. And that's usually when you start seeing some sort of turnaround. So it fits a little bit into what you were talking about as far as your macro thesis. So we'll see how things play out. We'll catch up with you here in the next couple of weeks, uh, sometime next month, and, and see if uh, that turn had finally started to happen yet. So thanks so much for your time. My buddy. pleasure. Always great to be on with you. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.